0: Day. You, um, That's a very yard. <laughs> 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 hold the on, uh, <laughs> Carlos, Carl, <laughs> you want to put your mic closer to your, uh, so maybe that'll help. I've got, I think everybody close Do we sh- should, we go as close as possible? So testing, testing. Are we good DJ? Yeah. We're in the box.
1: We're rocking and rolling. box.
0: So September
1: 7th. It's September
0: 7th over here at Archway, 2016, Uh, Wednesday, September 7th. This is Michelle Peterson, uh, an entrepreneur from scratch. This is our 11th podcast. Number 11. And we have another uh, wonderful guest today that it seems like, uh, depending on we're going to vote, depending on how much action she brings to this table each time she comes, we're now even... White people and black people. How About that. <laughs> oh wow. And gender specific. Now that's two right. girls, two boys. How About that. Um, I mean, this is and we have a representative gay person. <laughs>
2: like.
0: And we have an Indian you. in the room, but he's staying quiet. We don't. <laughs> he
2: frowns <laughs> a lot. He, he didn't frown he so
1: frown, much. He's
0: smiling now. <laughs> we're gonna take him to lunch. That's not a real. Fun. We're gonna get him a girlfriend. That's what I'm thinking. Is oh, that's a girlfriend. He. We're gonna hook him up. We're. Oh. We're gonna. Uh, we're gonna try to. Make it work. But this is Michelle Peterson. Go ahead and we introduce yourselves.
1: Andy. Andy Sweet. You know me.
0: LaQuisha Ewing.
1: Carlos Hampton.
0: And Carlos, tell us a little bit about yourself in case this is the first time anyone's listened.
2: And we'll go around the room. There's not much to tell. Um, I have a well-manicured yard. You <laughs> <laughs> we have a well-manicured yard. <laughs> Carlos Hampton, uh, al- almost 19-year vet with the uh, City of Chattanooga Fire Department. Um, small... Minority entrepreneur, um, born and bred Chattanooga, born in the south side, raised in the east. Uh, Happy to be here. Believe in what we're doing over here on this side of town. Love the kids. Love the good times we're having and all the lessons that come along with it. Good enough? That's good enough. All right.
3: All right, we're doing a round robin here. We're doing a round Round robin. robin. All right, so I'm LaQuisha Ewing, native Memphian. I've been been here in Chattanooga for about 13 years. I am a serial entrepreneur and a recovering public education administrator. Uh, We we can go into that later. (laughs) Um, I'm also a licensed evangelist uh, for the Church of God in Christ. Um, And, um, I mean, I just, I love my community. I love helping uh, people, and more importantly, I love doing kingdom work. Bang! Yeah.
0: We are represented by the the religious organization. Wow! wow.
2: <laughs> I'm not even old enough or, or tall enough to even sit at this table. <laughs> this <is> <laughs> you must Trust be this me, tall. Trust me, you wait, <laughs> man.
0: She's here to take all of us down. Makes said, your podcast has been boring up until she came into the ring.
1: <laughs> <laughs> said boring? She did. Ouch! I think that was more re- representative of what she thinks about me. All right, <laughs> uh, um, Andy Sweet. Hopefully you've all heard all the other ones, uh, our our other podcasts about us. But uh, I'm from Illinois, originally been in Chattanooga since 08. Um, And I I constantly struggle with how to describe myself. I'll just say problem solver. Like I can't, my background is in scientific research and and physiology. And I've got numerous businesses as an entrepreneur. But really what I find is I, I like looking at broad scope issues and beyond and and try and find different pathways to solve problem solving it's my world
0: well i am shell peterson and i think i'm the resident billionaire in the room i mean donald trump has proved that you can just call yourself a billionaire and everybody will believe you, right? So that's what I've decided to do. Every time I go public, I'm going to be like, I think I said it. I met LaQuisha Ewing at The Female fa- Factor. Shout out to Donna Lowe at uh, Main Street Innovations uh, for putting us together. In fact, same thing with you, Carlos. Shout out to Donna uh, and Marty Lowe for introducing us. She's uh, a plug. She is a plug. There is no doubt about it. Donna Lowe has a continuity uh, uh, that's better than the neutral on the ground in electricity. So... She can put people together and funny enough, I'm not sure she sits still enough to sit and uh, enjoy the conversation that we have because here we go. You know, LaQuisha joined us last week. I love the, uh, recovering, uh, educator, uh, coin. Now we have four people. So let's see how, how uh, much, you know, th- you design in uneven numbers usually and that seems better. But now we have four, uh, people at the panel. And I think the discussion that we left off on Carlos, uh, last week, is simply the fact that what I picked up on uh, from LaQuisha uh, when I met her at the Female Factor is both of us were serial entrepreneurs, both of us have uh, had a lot of business experience, and yet uh, we both have had to leave Chattanooga to try to make and go to ponds that had uh, more diversity of thought when it comes to being able to make money. Uh, whether that's selling a home elevator or whether that's selling a service or anything else. I still, the whole reason I started this and invited you all to my clubhouse and obviously put together this team is frankly, shout out to Franklin McCauley because the one thing he did say is intentional relationships make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so what I could really hone in on is that when I went to restaurants in downtown Chattanooga and I have this kind of restaurant mafia group Uh, that goes around and and we eat at different places I noticed there were no black people anywhere ever and it began to resonate with me every time I walked in a room that so about four years ago I started asking people where are the black people in town because I had slowed down a little bit in business I had made uh, a little bit of uh, money and I had decided to slow my career down on the side of things diversify a little bit and um and I, I met a young man who introduced me to Donna and Marty. And Donna, really, to her credit, was the one that was instrumental in saying, you know, Michelle, you need to come out and begin to talk about this. Because the interesting thing about the restaurant scene as an incubator for entrepreneurship and whether or not that economic ladder is working or not from a from a waiting table perspective. And I've always compared that as the genesis of entrepreneurship because your unlimited uh, tip as you approach that table is based on the service that you give and how you relate to your customer and then I would go to the convention center for something that somebody would invite me to and everybody at the convention center that was waiting on me without an economic ladder was black and I thought that was representative of our economy of the Chattanooga uh, economy that it was not open to those that didn't look and act like us and that's why we're here at this table is to expand that conversation because I don't know enough about education to know if even the education world is diversified enough to or if it's too sterile that you can't make any changes. Uh, so I guess the first thing I would say
3: is, um, you know, we, we all have a very... Um, A very limited view, even though, you know, we may be world travelers or or very well uh, connected in other cities. um, Whatever our perspective is, it's it's just that it's our perspective and we have to be careful um, not to make too broad a stroke on our perspective. Right. So it's, it's real easy if. I like a certain type of food, and every time I go there, I don't see anyone who looks like me. Um, part of that is because I like that food, I think that food food is good, but the masses may think it's ter- it's terrible, right? So I could very easily say, you know, oh, you know, this this race of people or this, you know, this gender never eats here. But the reality is, is that I'm the only one that really thinks it's good. All right, so we have to be careful in in broad strokes when we talk about the landscape of Chattanooga. Um, I'm not a native Chattanoogan, so most of the history that I know of Chattanooga was learned history that I had to actually go and dissect for myself because I felt like people were feeding me what they wanted me to know of what happened in Chattanooga so that I can have um, what, what actually ended up being a pretty jaded perception of what existed in chattanooga because as i started doing my own research i realized that the studies that were put before me and the people that were identified as key stakeholders were really the approved uh gatekeepers uh for some of these these uh philanthropists and, and organizations
1: yeah statistics you can say whatever you want them to say if you just uh analyze it the right I mean, way yeah, the information from
2: I'm, i i want to go on record to, to say that um As as a native of Chattanooga, um, in the last five, six-ish years, I've I've found my perspective to be that it's good to have people from out of town move here, because you bring a different perspective on what the possibilities can be, so to speak. Uh, Whenever the industry started to close down, Wheeling Foundry, U.S. Pike, and all those places, when they started to close down, those were jobs that native Chattanoogans kind of gravitated toward after high school, or even some that couldn't find a way out to college. But when those started to close down, you started getting this familiar phrase that they're taking all the jobs from Chattanooga, because that was about the time the aquarium started to come around, the downtown started to kind of pick up a little bit. And people would say, well, they're taking all the jobs from Chattanooga. And it wasn't that, it was that they took the jobs that we were used to. Um, yeah,
1: changing, changing well, this, the job structure.
2: And the same thing happened in yeah. Detroit.
3: You know, when the car plants went down. Exactly. I mean, it wasn't really. I mean, Chattanooga, and, and I hate to interrupt you, but Chattanooga wasn't the only industrial economy. I mean, if there was an it, nationwide. There was an industrial shift mm-hmm. in our in our uh, economic uh, framework as a country, as plants and foundries, and you know all of these. uh, manufacturing places were shutting down and we're seeing this shifting toward the tech age. And what happened, though, when you look at education, what you'll find is that because education was designed to put in laborers at all of the levels of those industry jobs, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you have all of these tech jobs that no one can fill the spaces because schooling was never – training you exactly. to fill those jobs. Exactly. It was training you to fill the jobs of yesterday, not the jobs of today. And, exactly. and we're there now. We're at the same place now. It's just a different landscape. So you have a, this shift of entrepreneurship, this shift of technology and innovation, and you still have kids that are learning reading, writing, arithmetic. And I, and I said arithmetic on purpose because that's how antiquated mm-hmm. some of the things. And so you have uh, pockets of people that are trying to interject things into our, into our local school system structure. But the basic structure is still not lending itself to the global economy that's out there for the kids that are showing up. You know, we talk about, about them not being college ready. You know, I don't think the colleges are ready. Like the kids aren't ready for college but the colleges aren't the colleges aren't even ready for the economy.
1: Yeah, they're 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 still stuck in the arithmetic world right. for sure, like we talked a bit about last week. And it is. It's it's changing structure of the town and I think you know, I I just came back from a little vacation visit to my hometown near Peoria, Illinois, which is another river, you know, river city built around this factory and industry and everything else where right now Caterpillar it's their world headquarters having major, major issues. Um, but we see something similar happening there, right? You come from these river cities or, or really any industri- industrial place that for years, for, for decades, thrived on factories of, of, you know, a bunch of blue collar workers going through doing the same thing every day. That goes away, you know, maybe that industry takes a hit or it evolves and all of a sudden you have a new influx of of workers, right? So they have different talents and tactics and Chattanooga, you know, all of a sudden from the first time I came here in the 90s to now, you can see a different Chattanooga. It's, it, the face of Chattanooga is no longer river industry, right? It is now outdoor and active or it's, you know, things like that. Well sure that brings in different people and all of a sudden i hear it all the time being a non-native chattanooga and like oh you came in with all those people like you're not really from here you don't really understand yeah, i'm I like no That's i do chattanooga has changed right. yeah
0: was there always the question where, where i got, you, got you went to gps didn't you no I came here to play basketball and really didn't know. And I think that's fascinating, Andy, that they lump uh, people. When I say they, I keep saying there's not one individual doing this. It, there is a collective. It's just like at Nike. I keep saying this, uh, that Nike, the podcast before you came on board, uh, LaQuisha, I have always focused on the NCAA being the poor man's federal government, whether you're white or black. Uh, It doesn't matter. It's mostly black people, though, that are part of that, that are creating the economic stimulus for, one could argue, all the white people to have their sports. Because if you look at the ancillary sports that are really intramural type sporting, and, and I don't understand why you need to offer a scholarship in a sport that can't sustain itself other than it be intramural, within the uh, ability for somebody who can play... But the argument there is that you hurt the women. But see, the reality for me is, if I were running for office, which is what I have said, how this all started as I thought I was going to run for office. That's what people do. You make a million bucks, and you decide, in most people's cases, they make four or five million, and then you decide, well, I'm going to go fix the world or give them my same business acumen to the political arena. That's what you hope happens. The more I get into it, it looks like it's just another form of business, and that basically you go into the political arena to succeed, uh, to, to also re-up on what you're trying to do with your family. And then you the difference is instead of, you know, lords or, um, you know, whatever the words were in English, you call them governor or mayor or uh, councilman or senator. And for me, that's where the disconnect is. If I was gonna go into government now, I would do it for unselfish purposes. It wouldn't be about me. It would be about beginning to have a discussion on how the federal government is stagnating all the growth in our company, in our country by not bringing, breaking up these corporate cults that yes, they are sterilizing the marketplace. But what they are also doing is creating exploitive measures to keep people who artificially Uh, for decades have been kept out of the marketplace now saying you're a part of it but we're going to put this nike label on you so that we privately can get paid to give you the benefit of running in our arena i mean branding runs in our
3: vein as a as a country Ooh, that one hurts (laughs) but it's true there there are people that look like myself and, and my fellow panelists that that were branded so branding is at the at the helm of what America was built on I hate to say that. Branding so, and property. Bra- that's that's Blame. you bra- you only
0: brand your property. That's the purpose of branding. That's why I don't want to get married because marriage was based on property. I want to have a corporate charter that's, a whole that's nother- based oh, on man. consideration. All right.
3: We're not going to go there cuz that's a church that's a church conversation. No. But let's let's stay on education. That might sure. be another one. So cuz I beg to differ on I that. I tell one. you all but, time you know. I have
0: a hard time finding my way to the father but I have no hey. problem finding my way hey, to the listen. son. Marriage is about covenant, not contract. Property
3: is about contract.
0: If I'm having a kid today, I'm not getting a Social Security number. I'm getting an FEIN number. (laughs) I'm making that kid a charter of the best state possible, probably Vermont. (laughs) I'm serious. I mean, the state of Illinois, I wrote the Chicago Tribune. They didn't publish my paper, but I wrote the Chicago Tribune because what they're finding is that women, especially women of color, Mm are having uh, this thing where they figured out that they can double dip. If they don't give the state uh, and acknowledge who the father is, Correct. then they won't, the state won't pursue the father to stagnate his ability to go earn money and pay her privately. And then she can have the, uh, nest of the state government facilitating federal dollars. So what they have, what they have proposed in the state of Illinois, which didn't pass, but what they proposed a year ago is that you hold back the birth certificate until they can at least have a collective number of guys to go out and test. To find out who the father is and the reason you hold back the birth certificate is because you need the birth certificate to get your social security number so i wrote the chicago tribune that did not publish this i wrote them a very eloquent article on that these mothers need to give up on the social net and go ahead and incorporate
1: their child
0: oh gosh and those children become corporations as they come out of the womb.
1: I think we need to link to this letter in Man. our show notes. I'd like to read it.
3: You're killing me. Babies are business, huh, Michelle? That's yeah.
2: Babies are not businesses. Babies I mean, are people. That's
3: the, that's way the problem state that we wants have. To look
0: at it, right? That's the way the federal but government wants to look at, at it. Look at some that of the though. parents,
2: though. Look at some of the parents. It's, it's, it's all perspective. It's not what you see. It's how you see it. And even some parents who may not realize what they're doing, but that kid is a business. How many fathers are out there, and the only reason they have a relationship with that kid is because of the child support? And the moment that child support stops, that mother does something shady to move the father out the way or keep him from the kid. So even though she's not consciously saying, you know, this is a business— it's all about the business because well, it's I'm all about is, the dollar. Let's
3: not institutionalized foolishness. Like that's—I mean, <laughs> hey, like hey, I, I, I do not. Hey, I'm not arguing it that it might doesn't be exist. Educated
0: foolishness, but, but the reality is, I know you're going to yeah. say, "I'll say it's foolishness." But the reality <laughs> is, corporate law in this country is moving much quicker than individual law. I agree with that. So, if you become a corporation, if you're an immigrant. Uh, like Shree here, who's basically come over and learned, I would recommend he become a corporation because he can still leave this country and be a, a corporate chartered entity even in India. And I can explain to him the benefits that he can take from that and utilize in immigration law that would blow your mind. So you know, like, morally, I'm about to, like, flip out of this chair. <laughs>
3: I, from a business standpoint, everything you're saying makes total sense to me. But my moral compass is, like like f- spazzing out right now. That joint is spinning around. <laughs> oh, see
1: there's the issue. Like, you have yeah, a moral
3: compass. Bo- <laughs> <laughs> my, that's <laughs> the issue that I have a moral compass. Yeah. If
0: every one, of those, at- <laughs> Hold on, if every one of those athletes were corporations, they would have intellectual property rights as a corporation up against another corporation. Or if
3: you had understanding
0: of your purpose
3: and your value, then I can negotiate as a human what Not I'm worth. the system is rigged. Why Why would I want to be a part of a system that's rich? Because you're poor. You ain't got anything better. But how did I end up poor? I didn't come here poor. It, but you're looking I mean, in the yeah, rear view yeah. mirror, and I'm Yo, looking in the front listen, windshield. I'm doing, a, I'm doing a thing tomorrow for, for the leaders. Oh, I can't say it. But I'm doing a thing tomorrow Um, Where I'm I'm literally telling my story My own personal story Of how I grew up I slept three to a bed most of my life Like I grew up poor I thought everybody got the free lunch tickets I didn't understand that that was just something That it was certain kids That got free lunch And there were other kids that brought their lunch I just thought they didn't like the food Like I didn't even understand all of that as a kid I grew up poor But let me tell you something My mom would always tell me You can have caviar dreams and tuna fish money I'm only... Poor if I decide that I'm poor. You, the system doesn't get to tell me I'm poor. You make a decision because poverty is a mindset. And so I make a decision. If I come here and, yeah, I'm making, you know, my mom made, I found a check stub of hers. She was making $4,200 a year as an annual salary. I thought I was reading it wrong. I'm like, Mama, is there a period or something like that? Because that number made no sense to me, but she had two kids. We never knew we were poor until somebody on the outside told us we were poor. You know why? Because the things that matter don't cost money. And once you have that inside, then I can build whatever fortune I want to build. Here I sit today. A different LaQuisha than what could have been if I had adopted the poverty mindset. So no, I'm not going to say that you know the system makes you poor and and people
0: are born in a different situation. LaQuisha, you could take that one step further and expand the conversation. Hold on, I'm gonna go with you because here's the deal: if you're a corporation that's bankrupt, you're still an individual with morals. Are you? Yes. Sometimes in this world you are, in this country you are, as proven by every corporation that goes bankrupt and they open the next day under a different brand but you can't do that as an individual and that's why corporate status is so important and you can't you can't include morals in the ability of an individual to expand themselves through corporate charters, I can go in every state in this country and become any corporation I want to be, and I can sell or expand any service I want to have. And if that corporation goes out of business tomorrow, it isn't attached to me. Do you don't think the families figured that out? I know that I know. They can I win know the a bus- slave without holding the whip. There's a business
3: right now locally that I saw go under. I asked them. Why were they, you know what was going on? They said they're going under. Some things happened uh, bookwise with, with with their previous name. And the next week, I drove by, and it was the same business but a different name. And I'm cracking up because, see, you say that they can still maintain their moral, whatever, whatever. My thing is, you know what, sir? You being deceptive. Like you started this new, you started this new business. You started this new business. That's really the same business. And those people that true have a true compass. I know, man, I wish I could say the name, but like I know that when I go eat whatever I'm going to eat at your place, it's the same menu. So the super special sauce is now the super slippery special sauce. I know it's McDonald's. McDow- it's the same business. That is not integrity. That's not moral. But that is what
0: happens in the marketplace. But that doesn't make it right because that's what happens. But that's the way it's supposed to be because we came from Europe without forgiveness. I didn't come from Europe, yo. You were brought over. I was brought over. I was born here. What are you talking about? When you was... said you didn't come from Europe, though, right, I thought you were talking about history. <laughs> Because most black people in this country got bought, brought over from Africa. Most people got brought over from Europe. They the did re- not. I mean, the reason that you people can't do, came here. Col- Columbus on, did not have the money, Michelle. Columbus didn't have the money. Tell me to that Columbus on. story.
3: Listen, Columbus, because he didn't, he didn't have the money. You know the story. He didn't have the money. He had to borrow the money. That's why everything has got a Spanish name right now. If you go. Tell
0: the story. I don't but know this the story.
3: Is, well, the story is this right here. Columbus. I didn't have, went to school. They didn't They didn't educate me. They just the, schooled whatever. me. Whatever. So Columbus. Columbus didn't have the money. He goes to the Queen of England. He didn't have the money uh, to to go on his quest. So he ended up getting the money... Uh, for his trip to go on this search for the Newfoundland's and all that kind of jazz that you read about in school, um, he he got the money from the Queen of Spain. That's why he floated on the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Columbus was Italian. His name was Christophe Colombo. That was his name. So when I find something, I have to claim it in the name of Spain. I cannot claim it in the name of English, but uh, of England or Britain. But this is the thing: when he showed up. Which was El Salvador. First of all, is where he landed, El Salvador. Um, but when he showed up in America, there were people here. So, no, my husband, his people, they are Native Americans. So, they didn't come over. So, everybody that looked like me did not get brought over. I was born in this country. However, my people may very well have been already here. They weren't, all of my people didn't come from over. We can't and that's a perception that people get that that's a misconception that well, a lot of people adopt. Every we have black person didn't come
0: from Africa. But here's the uh, but here's the conversation at hand is that I've been told to call every black person in America African American. And Tony
3: Morrison said that in America, that America is synonymous with white because everybody else has to hyphenate. My thing is
0: <laughs> but why can't I just call people Black people, without being offended.
3: Because it's called
2: people.
0: Right, because black is
3: the color of this table, and last I checked... Because it... (laughs) Me and, Car- me and Carlo's looking like some uh some Cocoa, Nestle Cocoa, said, and a a a not a charcoal and <laughs> white. Hold on. Hold on.
0: Last time I checked, Annie and I are a different shade of white. <laughs> You're not
3: white. First of all, let's talk about the fact that, co- man, I'm going to get deep on Come on, on this. bring color, it. Color doesn't even exist. What you have to understand is that color is light absorbed, and the way that it bounces off of your retina, the back of your optic nerve, I mean, the back of your eye, your retina, your optic nerve, basically light bounces off of that that projects onto a subject so that means you have to realize that everything that you're looking at is a form of light and all of us are a form of light so what happens is people start saying well light looks different on you because let me tell you something when I was if I was conditioned to believe that Andy is purple that the color in his skin is purple if that's what I learned, every time I see something that looks like Andy's color, I'm gonna call it purple. Why? Because I was conditioned that when light light bounces off of something that looks like his skin pigmentation, this is what it's called. That's called operant oh, so
2: conditioning. Now we're about it's conditioning. called conditioning. Yes, conditioning. That's what it all is. It's <laughs> all
1: conditioning or perception how of reality or wherever uh, else you want to talk. Yeah. How
2: does how yeah. does
0: conditioning affect our marketplace? Because that's really what we're here for. Why for do prominently, ride a predominantly uh, American uh, l- lights, if that's instead of calling them blacks, hey. call them lights. You know, whatever we want to call it? people of color in this like country, why is. do people of color run up and down the field of dreams and not realize it's the horror that's going to put them there if they get hurt because they have no safety net? Why did they do it then? Say that again. I don't know that Why I Why do people trade their sweat for an education that isn't going to give them any further purpose in life? Because the statistics show 67% of NFL players that leave the NFL within three years go bankrupt. So, so,
3: and I don't know that that's a racially, just a racially motivated thing. I think that, you know, all of us have been sold this American dream and, you know, we all kind of intrinsically have this desire to, to, to hope and aspire for greater than what's before us. Right. I have to believe that there's something more, there's something more, um, Part of that may be innate. I don't know. I haven't really studied that much. Um, But I do believe that, you know, people have hopes and dreams. And so when you see that as your hope and dream because you've seen people that look like you, and when I say look like you, I'm talking about to every every facet, right? You know, their story almost matches – perpendicular i mean i perpendicular parallel with yours and so you look at that person that person gives you hope that you know what right here sleeping on this floor you know or going to this this broke down school or you know my mom working three four jobs my boy inky johnson you know inky johnson tells has a great testimony about you know lit, growing up in atlanta and you know his desire was to not see his mom work and bust her butt you know, the way she was doing for them to barely make it, and he was going to go to the league, and he was going to play NFL ball, and he got recruited, and he was doing – I mean, he was, I think, number 16 draft pick um, out of Tennessee. They, the, the coach told him, Inky, all you have to do is play another 15 games, and you're going to be an instant millionaire. And he goes out there, and he makes a hit, breaks his clavicle. He's now paralyzed. In college In college, at the University of Tennessee, Inky Johnson. Google him. He's all over ESPN now because you know what? His divine path was to lead him to the, to the NFL. He speaks to every NFL team. He speaks to college teams. He made it to what the NFL. What he talk about when he speaks? He talks about the story I just told you, sure. and he talks about the, the process because he never gave up when they told him that he couldn't he play no struggle
0: more. Because
3: for a meal. He, st- he ain't struggling for a meal, but he has testimony of where he was. But he thought football was his way out, and See, football was his way out. See, the
0: only difference, that I would add to that is the millions of dollars that these institutions, because people build buildings and science buildings and give them economic opportunity. Because if you look at the University of Alabama, 60% of their enrollment in the last eight years have been out of state. Because people are drawn to success. And so you bring Nick Saban in, you cut him in part of the deal, you get people from all over the world traveling that want to go to the University of Alabama and bring their intellectual abilities from their observational point of view to leading to something that from uh, the point that they took the government out of the institutions, which was in an act in 1983 called the Dole Ball Act. And basically, it said that if anything was discovered in a university setting with federal dollars, it didn't belong to the federal government. It belonged to the university. Those became the microcosms. They might as well have called the University of Tennessee a state. And those people in there are socialistic entities of that state. Because it's a social environment where not one person can have an uh, equity. Even the people in the science department can't get part of the deal. Unless they discover something that's amazing. That girl that got in trouble at UCLA or USC that invented that thing about cancer. She basically had to pay pay everybody off while telling people she had discovered this most amazing thing. And there was this colluded message that came out that she had. And now they've come out and said that she didn't. But everybody invested and paid the bill to get a cut of the deal. And what your description is, is the only thing I want is the institution to pick up the insurance. If they're going to collude... If they're going to issue the bonds to build the stadium and build the housing, not let these kids even pay their utility bills to get a life lesson out of the deal. Because do the, uh, did Inky Johnson know how to survive before he got hit?
3: I mean, I think he knew how to survive. Did, did, did he know how, how to thrive in did this economy? I don't know.
0: Pay bills? I don't know. Did I, somebody pay it for him? I,
3: mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. And that's the point of this. Maybe we need to get Inky, uh, Inky to
0: come down and so get on I'll the show. i Inky. Come on. Because the deal is I need somebody to bring me a first-hand experience of what he felt like when, or she. But honestly, the economic ladder has never been offered to female athletes. I would sponsor a female athlete right now if given the opportunity. But I can't buy my way into that arena because it's too expensive for even somebody like me. And the female sports have more of the ability to advertise to female, the number one growing uh, People going to NFL games right now are female between the ages of 25 and 40. You'll see the ads directed towards those women when you watch an NFL game. And you'll be like, why am I watching an ad that looks like it should be paired up with the view? Because they know the uh, growing marketplace at the NFL. And I said that to a guy here in town who runs our sports committee, and he goes, how do you know that? I said, because I can read, and I can uh, decipher where they're putting their advertising dollars, and I can watch the advertisements during a game and see where that's going. And what you will honestly say, somebody said to me, I never thought of it that way, but if Inky Johnson had the ability to generate his own brand on paired up next to that Nike brand so that he had a shoe that he liked too, or he had a t-shirt he wanted to play, Or a hat. you got a really cool hat. I know people online can't see it today. But if he was wearing that hat out, why should he not benefit from his success? They don't let people in this country benefit from their success in the athletic arena, and I would argue in the business arena anymore. We are dinosaurs because we are controlled by what? Google, Yahoo, Bing, Facebook. You have to buy your way in. I don't know about you, but it's disheartening to me that we we live in today's standards and our government can't break up these corporate cults to give us enough opportunity to to buy our way. in. we either well, got to go missed, and,
1: yeah, in there too, the, the, the things we talked about before contracts and loopholes and, and insurance and taxation and all that is are, are additional ways that if if you're not in, then you're out like you, right. you're not going to learn because they're. They've locked that away.
0: I never met a a uh, I mean black insurance person ever approach me. Is there one here in Chattanooga? An uh, insurer? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, there's well, many, several. I've never met one.
3: Well, they exist.
0: They do. <laughs> <laughs> what would be interesting is if you took all these institutions and you looked at the insurance behind it to see how much, because when I look at the state insurers, you know, the states have insurance boards and the people leading those insurance boards, there's not one white person in all 50 states, I mean, one black person in all 50 states leading those boards. That tells me it's a rigged system.
2: I wouldn't necessarily say it's rigged. I'd say that is, is there, there's a, um, it may be an arena that has not been open enough for people to even want to get into it. And Even in that, there, there may be some inclusion going on to where you have to go a certain route to get to it, and either those routes hadn't been opened up to someone black or just the realization of wanting to get to it hadn't been thought of.
0: I mean, Allstate's the only insurance company I know that puts the face of black people in front of it and says, think about it.
2: No, you got, you got uh, Ving Rhames. Now he, 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 no, that's, that's a security system, right? Tell me, tell
0: me of an ad you've seen with a black person that has insurance in it. Very, I,
3: I don't even watch television like that, so I can't tell you anything. But my point is, <laughs> if
0: you got all fifty states pairing up in the insurance industry to issue bonds, and then all the workers or a percentage of the workers are of different color and primarily women, and they are paying those insurance premiums to protect their families, but they don't realize that the money that's going over to those insurance companies as a float are creating businesses that basically are inherently opposite of what those communities need, I can take you to North Chattanooga and show you every commercial building that's been built by insurance, funded by insurance. And I can show you that there are no African-American businesses in those buildings and very few African-American people living in those buildings. But how many African-Americans work for the Hamilton County school system? And are those people recognizing that when they put that insurance over to a side for a future benefit to their family, do they recognize that they're working against themselves from a community investment standpoint? So
3: part, part of that, it, that, that answer, I think, is no. And another part, of course, uh, is yes, um, that there are people that know. And, you know, this is just the way it is. They're, yeah, you know, one, there's no other option. There's no other option. I mean, there's there are people, I you know, sometimes I say uh, for some people that ignorance is bliss, right? They It's like, I don't want to know. Like, there really are people that, like, they just, I, it's easy. like, I don't want to know. Because yeah. the more I know, like, I'm going to have to do something. Yeah. Uh, I used to be like that. Like, you know what? I just don't want to know. Ignorance is bliss and and, and then, but that never really works. If you, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it never really works. So when you come into know, then I, I do believe that there's a subset of people that really want to know and they don't know what it is they don't know. So that, you know, you have platforms like this. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist um, in that I think that, you know, there are like these horrible people that exist. Now, I do know that there are horrible people that exist, but I, I, I also, you know, I choose to look at the cup being half full and not half empty because I realize whatever you focus on magnifies. So if I focus continually on the people that are holding me down or trying to hold me back, what will end up happening is I create a self-fulfilling prophecy for myself. And it's not so much that they held me back. I held myself back because I was focusing on them holding me back. So I, I choose not to deal with that. And that's the message I choose to convey. I think media plays a big part of that. Media plays a big part in what people know and what they don't know and what they desire to know. Because if I keep spoon feeding you things that are easy for you to digest, then when I throw you a steak, you don't want to take the time to chew it. So I say all of that to say – I say all of that to say – I think platforms like this will lend itself to people that really don't even know that this is a conversation that maybe they should be having because they never even thought about it in those terms. Yeah, and I
1: think we've already seen some of that on comments on Facebook and whatnot. Where we post like, or especially on the Frankly Speaking Facebook page, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they're like, do you not get this? Do you like read it? Try and understand it. We try and explain whether, whether it's ins- insurance as taxation or, or this, this uh, effect of uh, collegiate and athletics and branding and, and large business really controlling everything, people are starting to get just the edge maybe as they, they read through, but that's the issue. The, the information has to get out there and there are blocks being put up to keep it from getting out no question i just this week
3: changes situation. yeah and even (laughs) just
1: this week um i've been following uh, those of you who watch our stuff on youtube as we put the podcast up youtube is changing their structure uh to where they're going to disallow monetization of certain shows uh, censored, you know, and, and if you use certain, you know, vulgar language or you say things that might be uh, politically driven or beyond, they can censure, they can, censor, driven, they yeah. can dra- pull it away, and they can even, again, s- just say, you can't monetize, you can't make money on our platform, you can't share this information. Uh, we've created a new law that says you can't.
0: Well, because, again, what we get back to is the same premise that seems like everybody I run into is the person with all the gold makes all the rules. But I have a little bit of gold. And the fact is, is that I have made up my mind until I die or Or go broke. Or get shot. Or get shot. But 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 we've already established if I get shot... And don't die. I still won't talk about this. Yeah, you'll
1: still stop. (laughs) But
0: when (laughs) the people that are living right at subsistence existence and right above that, they're paying for a future benefit that I'm not advocating that people stop paying their premiums. What I am advocating is we have a battalion chief at the fire department that is at this table for no other reason than the fact that I never hung out with anybody government other than my mother for 20 years. Because I was in the private market. Before I met Carlos Hampton, I never even knew what the fire department did. And the reality is that that is a PR nightmare for citizens who don't, aren't educated. The same thing can say to the flip side of that, if he is or with is looking at something from a perspective of how many insurance premiums are being collected by that fire department to mitigate that fire a uh, person that and fire employees of the city's uh, risk and they are pulling that money and making him safer by the day but still pulling the money from property owners to property and casualty insurance because that's what I told an architect buddy of mine who's been in the architectural business for 20 years I will see a code change that is used to protect Carlos Right?
2: Or even to protect you.
0: No, but, but more importantly, use to mitigate the risk of a firefighter getting hurt in that building by sprinkling the building and doing other things. I do agree it's a protection on my part. But the reality is what it's doing is basically taking an administrator point of view for the, a large fire department and saying we can't afford our workers' comp and our general liability because we can't bring people on because the risk is too great that he may lose his life when he enters a building. So let's make that building made of something. Let's not make it create cancer when it, it, it smokes. Let's do all the things. But yet my property and casualty insurance continues to go up even though the codes are in. to make it a better product Mm -hmm. and what i see that as a fraud as a benign fraud the same way i see the ncaa as a benign fraud for an upper economic ladder, ladder for the trade of a person's sweat equity leading to an education that they can turn around into a marketplace and charge someone for is not being tracked There's no mechanism of tracking right now for kids that began in the collegiate world but didn't end with a a degree. Because what you guys may not know is that college sports and college scholarships as of 1972 were only one-year contracts. So if that player got hurt... Even though there are some hardship scholarships, it depends on how great an opportunity that player lends to do they stay with it because it's tied to education. If you know coming in the player can't read that well and scores just enough to get in to your university, but when they stop participating in the class, then they can easily blame the kid for not participating in his life if the kid is no use to that institution anymore. That's why I I don't
2: agree with the term student-athlete. I think whenever, when it comes to, to being a student, if the emphasis is not primarily on the student part of that, then there's an issue. Because the focus is, I'm going to get you out here and you're going to play and you're going to pay your tuition through the, 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 the damage that you do to your body versus getting the proper education. And, you know
0: what I would have called Inky Johnson? We established this two podcasts ago. I'd have called him Inky Nike. He would have never had a last name if he entered that plantation up there called the University of Tennessee. That that
2: goes back to the branding and the the ownership.
0: Once you put that brand on him, he no longer is a volunteer. He is owned by the system called Nike.
2: And I don't keep up with sports uh, like like most people, but I did realize that um, earlier they were, um, I, I guess, endorsed by Adidas. And here lately they have a Nike swoosh on them. And I don't know when that changed over or when they went from Adidas to Nike, but I remember back, I guess when I was in the military, that Tennessee was uh, endorsed by Adidas. They had the Adidas sign on their the jerseys or whatever, but now there's a swoosh on it. So somewhere between the yeah, I- late 90s. E.P. E. Johnson <laughs> might have
1: been E.P. I- <laughs> Adidas. Yeah, but in yeah, my, but my but world, still, if you're going to brand it's a brand, kid, yeah.
0: because that's what it is, Mm-hmm. Then just calling by the brand you put on his shirt and the girl that you put on her shirt so that we're all transparent here that that's who's paying for these kids to run around and generate you the advertising dollars that you need to sustain yourself while also issuing $60 million of state-issued bond debt to build those stadiums. I wrote a scathing uh, op-ed that I sent the Johnson City Press Chronicle about them bringing back uh, football. What you don't know is it ties into the major systems of things, because when these people issue this bond debt to build these gigantic stadiums and, and create economic stimulus artificially, then it causes all of our pricing to go up. So plywood is no longer $32 a sheet, it's $58 a sheet. Because the suppliers are limited, and how they supply these institutions with their material affects all of us. So that's why it affects you. Whether you watch sports or not, whether you participate in that arena or not, those big contracts established. We already established that RJ would pay $450 a pen, and that's why I would only give... Uh, Christian and Shamari another opportunity to win the uh, $500, which became $50 because RJ agreed to pay $450 for the pin. He didn't know that he could sit back down and I wanted to play so much that I would have gone to $350. But as proven by the table and the ownership of the table, he knew that he, $50 is better than nothing. And that's the part of this conversation that bothers me the most is that you have all these people buying into this mitigated system of insurance, and all these insurance guys are colluded. And they can buy the bond debt that's being issued by the states that then drives up the rest of our cost based on pure market circumstances of supply and demand. So that's really what occurs. And then what occurs, is a person who's working for $32,000 a year at the Hamilton County School System, when they get their increase of premium, they're being told that it's because there's too many claims and all this other, and there's no checks and balances to the system. They can charge them whatever they want out of fear. Because what other choice do they have if there's only three insurance companies they can pick from?
1: Would you, would or go, if they go, want go. Any, any amount covered by their yeah, by, by their Now employer. let's say
0: right. this: The University of Syracuse just opened a captive in Vermont. Now most people this what does that mean? It means that a captive is a way that you can create an insurance company and not call it a part of Kellogg. So Kellogg can go up to Vermont. Well, Goodrench was one of the first captives in Vermont. And they can create an insurance company that basically what that does is that allows Goodrich to charge premiums on their workers that they don't put with a third party. They, they put with insurance. themselves. They create their own pool of money by, by, like I keep calling insurance being private taxation. They can charge that guy on the factory or that girl on the factory floor $300 a month in health insurance premiums and if she or he or that family does not use it because health care for most people in this country is just a non-negotiated copay with the doctor because that's what most people use their health insurance for is a fixed-cost doctor's visit. And now we've got that happening in the premiums for uh, drugs. You can go to Walgreens. You can throw that card out, and if they're in that system, the socialistic a negotiated system than that uh, cholesterol medicine that you bought is at a fixed cost for most people that are in that pool or that group or that HMO. But what I'm saying to you uh, is that when Goodrich charges their 60,000 employees, you do the math. And if those 60,000 employees are under the age of 40, they probably have a very good chance of being able to use that float to go invest in themselves and call it some other company and they can compete with themselves just on the insurance they charge their people and then they can control the price of tires
1: God, oh, scary hmm.
0: and that's what they're doing in the athletic arena they're controlling the all you know the number one paying job in the universe, uh at the in the state of alabama for public officials are right now right or is right now right
3: Coach
0: what? High school coach. $280,000 the highest paid high school coach right now.
3: $280,000? <laughs> yep. You going to pay attention now? we're in the wrong business. Yeah. You're in the wrong business because
0: you're a natural coach. Oh, man. $280,000. Absolutely. If you look at the stadiums they're building outside of Texas right now, the high school stadiums. Yeah. I mean, it's unlimited. 30,000 people going to be in there buying popcorn and Coca-Cola.
1: But only Coca-Cola, not Pepsi.
0: <laughs> I don't know over there. I don't know if they'll sell beer at high school. Uh, you know, the the, 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 the the beer is where it's at. They don't even do that at college much any, anymore. They don't even let you bring a flask in, I think, at the University of Alabama's games anymore. People were getting crazy. They can still sell plenty of Coca-Cola and peanuts and popcorn. And that's why we have to pay attention. Because the more they buy, the less opportunity we have. Because it drives the price up. The more they have, the less opportunity that we have somebody who's going to give us any uh, sweat equity, let alone equity at all. And that's why Shree's sitting here, because he's a guy who came over for opportunity, and he has someone that doesn't have the ability to tell him, this is exactly what I'm going to pay you, but here's how you're going to pay into the system. And you're going to pay these insurance premiums even though his family may not ever have that insurance because he may have to go back if they change immigration law. How many uh, Mexicans do you think get Social Security numbers and everybody wants to talk about how they absorb the system and the educational side of things, but they pay in the system and there ain't no security part of that if they get deported. Hmm. They're just paying into the system in, in hope. But if they became a corporation, they don't have to pay into that system. She's she's back to that. 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 It is about morality. It's about economic morality. (laughs) I can't talk about the other stuff. I'm not educated enough. And I'm not a believer in the whole, you know, divine faith thing. I've made that very clear. I struggle with that.
1: So I'm back on your insurance investment side. How much of that is... Open knowledge. Exactly. Accessible knowledge. The only
0: reason I was told is because the guy who told me thought that I was part of his club and that I was rich enough to stay quiet.
1: (laughs) So, but if you take a... Does it happen from the insurance company? It's their money going into a pool that then they get to distribute to for various investments chose by the company? Or is it decided upon by a board? Uh, uh, I
0: mean, I'm certain that they try I to basically put it together uh, where it appears as though it's all up and up. And to be honest with you, if you look at Warren Buffett, yeah. his has been up and up. He's created more wealth in this country for the pool of people that he's created it for. And in fact, if you look at Wells Fargo uh, as a bank, they're probably one of the better banks to work for from an economic upward mobility status, and so the reality is he took all that insurance that people gave him, and he created billions of dollars for other people. He still lives in the same house that he owned back in 1972, and I know why, because he doesn't want to look like he made money on the backs of people, but the reality is is that that still doesn't make it right when all the fish are in his pond.
1: Well, that's what I wonder. If if you're... if, If insurance companies are investing money on the behalf of that investment, saying that we're increasing the growth for use for for insurance claim use in the future, protecting the assets. Yeah, what kind of visibility or or you know they have to have some sort of method of showing that. Maybe I mean they don't have to, but. I mean, they're regulated
0: is. by the state. They're not regulated by the federal government. So if the state looks like all of them, as I've just pointed out, you Which go they on. They do. If you go on these boards, there are very few women on these boards. It's just old white dudes moving the bait and the fish around. Hmm. Their, and when they find boats. out that home <laughs> yeah. elevators prints as much money as I've been able to print from it. I will be out of business because they will get someone somewhere to install. And and the guys that make $80,000 a year with me putting in home elevators that are young and I give them an economic ladder and I tell them where to go uh, the fish are, that will be over for me. And I know that. So that's why I bought property. You know, because ultimately property is where you can at least have some mitigation of risk because you have somewhere to put your head down. That's what I'm saying. You're making
3: a more land, right.
0: <laughs> right. But I just think that it's important for you to understand that if, uh, for all of us that I'm talking to here uh, and talking with, I get frustrated because I can see it, but I can't explain it. Does that make sense? I get very lost in the whole idea and so then i just look for the diversity of it are the boards all the are these corporate boards diversified are these
3: and what does that mean that, may, that and that may be that may be our next podcast um you know as we we're leading up to this uh startup week and some other stuff um i'm part of a conversation uh i think this is the title of it it's called um if you If you invite me to the party, why won't you let me dance or something like that? I think, but it's about inclusion in this whole innovation conversation locally here in Chattanooga, but I think that's that's a discussion like what is when when you say You're diversifying the board or you're diversifying the committee um, to what end? Right. So I, you know, I I would often say to people it actually is a bit of an insult. I do understand in diversification, but it's a bit of an insult uh, because you need a black face that you invite me to a board. Right, that that's and it, I'm more than that. It's a bit of an insult if you invite me to a board because it's a board full of men and you just need a woman. Because to that end, you could have gotten any any blackface and any woman. Um, but there's some. I, I believe that there's some skill sets that I have, that there's some talents and and, and different perspectives that I bring as LaQuisha, not as a black African American woman, uh, but as LaQuisha. And so if you're only expecting me to, to speak from those two parts of who I am, you're missing multiple facets to who I am as an individual.
0: But yeah. I would judge you just by your name. I mean, the reality is, and
3: let's that, face it, let's speak I've this truth But Here. listen, I put on my resume that when I, I haven't had to do a resume in so long, but the last time that I did, my resume was a monogram and it said LJ Ewing. Actually, it was Tibbs because I, was, I wasn't I was married yet. But let's be said clear. said LJ Tibbs. The
0: reason Michelle Peterson wants LaQuisha Ewing on a board for diversification, because I know there's someone else out there that has a name I can't say very well, and I've admitted that because of my Appalachian tongue. Whatever. It's not ignorance. We can be honest super, with one but another.
3: That's that, but, but this is what I'm saying. So... With your honesty, with you know, and I respect your honesty, but that's so superficial
0: and it's so insulting, but it's still the truth, but that doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean that it has to be right or wrong. It's my truth, you have your truth. And if there's someone out there that has never seen a name like yours on a corporate board, right. then good for the corporation for putting you there. Because most people would not put LaQuisha Ewing on their board. So I have to give the people, if you don't want to accept the invitation is on you, that's you, your business. But if I mean, somebody is inviting yeah. you, I'm going to clap for that. You know why? Because you have a name that most people in inner circles would say is too ethnic.
2: But what's the good of a name being there if it's not being utilized? That's if, why if, she's if, if, at if my table just, because you are name.
0: utilizing it. Let's be clear well, that I'm not being insulting with you. You speak your mind, which is why I am drawn to you. Uh, more than I've been drawn to anybody in a very long time. I was drawn to Carlos because I had never met anyone at the fire department that would was also trying to be an entrepreneur.
2: And I've lost my flair now. She's gotten used to me. Yeah, <laughs> move on. The newness uh, is worn off. Let
1: me know I <laughs> but I, I mean, I think there's, there's a ton on both sides of that where, yeah, you, you can't just have diversification for the sake of it. Uh, I mean, there's no, there's absolutely no reason for that. But, but if that's there where can you be, start, there can be diversification. But you have to see it for what
2: it is, too. Do you do you sell all the way out and then go home and know what I you don't are? Say it Inequality. Sell
1: out. But here's here's the other part too. Is there's no reason to say that those very very simple broad strokes of diversification that they're actually going to have the best interest of that uh, of their "Quote unquote" demographic either, right? So you can say like, "Oh, we're we're diversifying. We're bringing in a uh, uh, you know an African American, or bringing in a female because she's going to stand up for the females." Like and you don't know that,
3: right, <laughs> and then when she doesn't, or you do understand that, man. Oh my God, I'm trying to calm, get my blood pressure. Come down. on, man. But I'm saying you do understand that you know when we we're at that mark too. Uh, you do understand when we you know when 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 slavery was abolished, whatever that means uh, for this country, um, that we didn't become free and become one monolithic group of people. So LaQuisha cannot speak for every black person. This is the thing, This when I sit at tables and and so I sit at a table where I'm the only one and there's a running joke I have uh with some of my professional friends and we we may make posts. I'm letting letting y'all in on the code. We may make different posts that says I came in, I was the only one. And it just that's all it says. It has no you, you don't know where I am, but I walked into a meeting and I'm the only one. Uh and that only one means I'm the only minority of any kind, African American, Asian, uh Indian, Latino, wherever. I'm the only one when I walked in. And when I walk in, it's like I'm supposed to be speaking for all of the people that look like me. I, this thing drives me nuts, and I've stopped doing it probably about a decade ago. I used to say, well, my opinion, my opinion, and this is the thing, I noticed That when I sit at tables with my professional peers who weren't African American, who weren't uh, minorities of any kind, except for the fact that maybe you were a woman in a room full of men, but they would say, even the women did it, though, when they were in a room full of men, they would say, in my opinion, I mean, they wouldn't say, in my opinion. They would never say, in my opinion. You know why? Because when Michelle says something, we know that's Michelle's opinion. We know that Michelle is not representing every white woman. So Michelle would never say, in my opinion, because we know that's your opinion, but I would always have to say, you know, well, it's my opinion because I need you to know that LaQuisha is speaking for LaQuisha and not all black people. Now, there is a a hint of naivete in that because I do understand that there's a hint of naivete in there and that I do, I understand that to some people, to some people, a lot of some peoples, okay, that I represent a, a, a body of people that when you see this African-American face on a board, and I'm one of two, that that's who I am, but I'm going to tell you something. When I get there, what you will find is that you know what? When it comes to the masters, I'm not a sheeple. I'm not a sheeple type person. A sheeple is a person that's led around. So there are people that follow, you know, religious, race, uh, you know, movements because that's what the what everybody's doing. When I get there, you'll realize that you know what? I'm kind of a odd kid. I'm really not the same as what you think. So yeah, you want me to come there and advocate for women, you know, boy. But, but I'm a. I, I tell people I'm a. Uh, uh, I'm a European fem- feminist. I'm not an American feminist. I don't want to be a man. I don't want to do things that men can do. I was made a woman. I want to do what women can do. And I want to be able to do what I can do as a woman at the height of my ability. But I have no desire to be a man. I don't want to be equal with a man. I don't want to be a man. I'm a woman. And I want to be a woman. So in that sense, I fight feminist battles, but it looks a little different. I'm more aligned with the European feminist movement versus American feminists. So you really, may not want me at the time. Which take. is
1: really feminism in reality, right, America? This other version is something skewed <laughs> so and the deal. created.
0: We, have, uh, we yes. have run through this hour again, uh, and hopefully uh, you will join us next week. I'm in town. Hey, if I'm in town, I'm here. I mean, Carlos is still doing... The duties of battalion chief, so he couldn't come last week. We hope we get him this week. Andy's still doing a swath of things to make (laughs) his money after closing his business. And obviously, I am over here at Archway. uh, And the simple fact of the matter and the reason we're at this table is because I'm trying to educate kids, not school them. I love it. And the reality is, is that if we say anything that offends us, it's just our opinion. Each individual at this table has an opinion, right? right? And so there we go. It's Wednesday. Talk to you all later. Have a great day.
1: See you all. Subscribe. See you. Peace.